0: Designs. Oh, this episode of the Brutal Reality Digest online podcast is brought to you by New World Designs, Vancouver's finest selection of retro inspired fashion. Located on West Hastings Street, New World is locally owned and operated in just plain radical. They strive to bring the best in vintage reproduction brands such as Collective, Voodoo Vixen, Hell Bunny, Band Apparel, Betty Page Clothing, and more. They can also hook you up with accessories like jewelry from local designers. Oh yeah! New World Designs is also a recognized safe place by the Vancouver Police Department, as they are inclusive to all who wish to embrace this retro look. Don't live in Vancouver? Unfortunately, neither do I. Luckily, New World Designs now offers an online store. That's right, head on over to nwdvan.com and she can ship your groovy new clothing right to your door. Still not satisfied? Tell your pals that Brutal Reality Digest sent you by using the coupon code STAYRAD and get a 10% discount. Now that's a spankin' deal, folks. Once again, that's nwdvan.com, or if you're lucky enough to live right in Vancouver, head on down to 434 West Hastings Street, and say hello to Jen and her lovely crew, that's New World Design.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Brutal Reality Digest podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Parker, or as many of you know me, the Vox Voice Guy. I'm joined by the old man, editor-in-cheese, Joshua Hada. How you guys doing? And today we have a very, very special guest, Blair from Respawn Entertainment. Hello, Blair. Hey, how's it going? Very good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. It's uh, 30 degrees at 9 o'clock at night in California, so I'm okay. (laughs) We do not have that problem over here.
2: (laughs) What color is the sky today? Uh, it's not the smoky red hue anymore, so actually we're doing okay.
0: (laughs) Oh, thank heavens. (laughs) Alrighty,
1: so to start off, uh, if you wouldn't mind, why don't you explain your role at Respawn and how long you've been there? Uh, Okay, so at Respawn, I've been here for two years as a
2: producer. That can mean many different things in that role, depending on the different company. Even within the same company, there's different producers for different, um, things, Some are more technical. Essentially, we manage the project's schedule and are an advocate for the player, and we try to balance scope against the design needs. Um, And that takes many different forms from building spreadsheets in uh, Excel, really exciting stuff, yeah, (laughs) um, to triaging bugs in a program called JIRA, which is just like a tracking software, to, you know, Getting pizzas, booking meetings, uh, you know, making sure people are not staying on task, but just being like, hey, do you need anything? Um, Are you blocked? That kind of stuff. So at Respawn, I've been doing that for two years on the Jedi project. And I was previously at Bioware Edmonton uh, for six years, six, seven, Um, and working on Dragon Age and Mass Effect and those fun games.
1: Wow, that's that's quite a history. Well, you answered the next question that I was going to ask of: Do you have any previous history in the in the industry? Obviously, you do. So you mentioned the Jedi Project, and mm-hmm. obviously, you have some uh, experience on Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, one of very critically praised game from not too long ago. But is that the only Respawn Entertainment game that we can find you in the credits of?
2: Yeah, that's the only Respawn one I work on. Respawn's a little different than, I only have experience really with the two studios, Bioware and Respawn. Whereas Bioware would have kind of like a core team of maybe 30 people um, that would stay on either Dragon Age or Mass Effect. And then the bulk of the rest of the studio would go to either one of those games or like when Anthem was in progress, that one, to help finish it while the 30 people would stay on to come up with either like the next thing, for Dragon Age or Mass Effect or whatever, whereas Respawn, they've built it so that they're um, you're on the Star Wars team. Like they, they, we're fully staffed um, to be the Star Wars team, and the Apex Legends team is 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 focused solely on Apex Legends. There's a couple people that float between the teams. Like we might need some concept art help every now and then; they, they can jump over. But in general, the teams are are built just for um, that specific game because we're. You know a very third person action melee which is very different from a first person shooter like apex
1: absolutely so
3: so blair what is your actual background like i know you're talking you worked for these guys but like what did you go to university for like i
2: went to school for music um i went to the u of a for like i don't know maybe two months and i was like this is not for me <laughs> um and then uh Being from Alberta, you know, I worked in machine tooling sales, pipeline stuff, uh, machine shops, all that kind of fun thing. Um, and then just like always had a passion for music. So I went to music school down in LA. Um, that was awesome. met a bunch of friends, always wanted to come back. Um, but while I was back home in Edmonton in bands trying to make it, um, I bartended at night. So, uh. I had a regular who I'd known over the course of like maybe two years and we got to talking um, because I'd see him like every other night and found out he worked at Bioware and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Always wanted to, you know, I've always loved games. I always thought that would be a cool job, but that I never had the skills um, because I thought you had to be an artist or a coder and I can't draw and I definitely can't do (laughs) math well. So he's like, no, 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 this, this is like a assistant producer. We just need you to like get coffee, book meetings and stuff like that. And that's kind of opened my eyes to like, oh, there's like an HR department. Like these are normal companies with like reception and HR and designers and and artists, animators, so many different skill sets that people have, um, that it was actually like, oh, okay, this is, maybe this is something I could do. So, you know, interviewed, started my career getting coffees and, and pizzas and just slowly started working my way up by, I always tried to be the, you can come to me if you need something. And I either know the answer or I can find you the person that knows the answer or I can get you the info. So that's kind of how I um cut my chops, I guess, in the games industry.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. You uh you're from what I know, your history echoes Josh's here quite mm-hmm. a fair bit, both <laughs> with the love of music and the the work in the trades and and everything. Yep. For our past. So, obviously as we mentioned, um you worked on Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So, how big of a Star Wars fan are you? I had the return of the Jedi on
2: VHS and it was the only one of the movies I had on VHS for some reason, but I played it until it was blurred when I was like 13, 14. So just, just massive. Like we went to the, um, Disneyland has the, the star Wars galaxy's edge area now. Mm -hmm. And just like walking through and hearing the music and it, it was just like, Oh my God, this is what must like kids feel when they go to Disneyland, that kind of vibe. So no huge fan. Um, Love all the movies, love the prequels, sequels, original trilogy, whatever, everything Star <laughs> Wars. Um, it was one of the reasons I wanted to come down here and work on this game. Kind of pulled me away from my family and and my friends in Edmonton um, was the, the sunshine and, and the idea of working on Star Wars. So it was pretty cool. So are you a, a Sith or a Jedi guy? I'm a Jedi green lightsaber. Oh, a good guy. Yeah, absolutely. Parker's pure evil. Yeah. No, that's no, no, no. They're bad. They're fascists. You can't
1: <laughs> sympathize with these guys. Stop humanizing them. They're bad. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, um, would you say there are any? Obviously, when when you're making a game, as no different than any other artistic media project, there's there's going to be stuff that never makes it in. There's there's going to be you know fun stories, fun things that happen. Is there any like fun or just really interesting stories from from your time? Uh, I'd respawn. Hmm. Nothing like
2: specific. It's more like a, you kind of forget what um, got cut because you've become so focused on trying to finish the game. But we have like old videos and and watching those, the progression of when the art goes in and when the bugs start getting fixed and how the game comes along is is really cool. But in general, it's just, it's kind of, um, it's a little sad (laughs) when you (laughs) see like we had to, can't go into too much detail. We had to cut like, some pretty major uh like a, a pretty big level near the end of fallen order um just because the time constraint like we wouldn't have had the time to finish it art was gonna you know the level was so big the art was probably not gonna be able to finish plus we were going to introduce a new mechanic for cal and like all the bugs that would come along with that mm-hmm. so we just you know got the art director and the game director and, and the level design lead in the room was like guys this isn't you know, we're hearing from the devs on the floor that this isn't gonna—we're we're not gonna be able to make it. Um, we'd rather have a smaller game at a higher quality than a larger game, you know, with more bugs and 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 less polish, I guess. So those are kind of the decisions you make near the end of the game. Now, the the funny stuff it happens kind of in in bugs. Like you'll see bugs of you'll you'll find them online, but like Cal, we had one called it was lightsaber in the pants, and for some reason, it's actually still happening on like my current build of the game but you'll he'll sheath his lightsaber but then for some reason he puts it into his like holster in his pants and it just it turns on again like cutting his legs in half and stuff yeah. um and it just started making our game director like just go crazy and it always came down to uh justin perez who was the hero designer to have to come fix it and it just became a running joke whereas like he's at another company now i um, still good friends with him though and but when we see it in the build like at work when we're just uh, messing around i like send him a ping being hey i need you to come back for a day like <laughs> cal's lightsaber pants is, it's happening again I need you to come <laughs> in for for a couple hours and fix it so it's just like little in jokes like that that starts happening
1: awesome well and uh on the note of Obviously, again, you guys worked on Star Wars games. One of the most, I guess, disappointments in regards to Star Wars games for a lot of Star Wars fans over the last few years was the cancellation of Star Wars 1313. Did you guys by chance, like, use that as any level of inspiration or take any of the design philosophy of what that game could have been when you were making Jedi Fallen Order? Or was this like a completely uh, from the ground of your own ideas?
2: Completely from the ground up our own. Um, 1313 was kind of more like a third-person shooter, like cover shooter, kind of like Mass Effect. And us being like a a melee combat um, definitely didn't take anything from them. Like when I saw the the demo, um, what was that, like 2010 or something? A while ago, um, I was like, ooh, this looks really cool and exciting. I think that was even before EA had the license. So um, no, we didn't really take anything from it. We work with the same... Lucasfilm group. Um, so, you know, when they were probably building out that game, this is like conjecture now at this point, but I assume they worked with the art directors that we're working with and they were building out, um, I think it was Coruscant. So if, if we built a Coruscant level, we'd probably be looking at the same reference images they, they have and stuff like that. So, um, I'm sure some things like that happened when we were like, oh, hey, we want to put Tatooine in the game or what we put in? Dathomir. Um, if they were also going to make a dathomir level then they we probably looked at the same reference and build out stuff so there might be some conjection like or some connection that way like use similar droids because it's in the same time period but that all goes through like the lucas kind of oversight which is like kind of a perk of working with them they have this like killer knowledge of like no this droid for this timeline or the empire wouldn't use this kind of stuff or uh, that kind of blaster is for, you know, the Kylo Ren time. So you can't have it if your game like ours takes place in the dark times before the first uh, original movie. So, yeah, no, it looked cool. But, um, you know, Stig, Stig uh, Asmussen, who's the game director for um, our game, was the game director on God of War, mm-hmm. um, like the originals. Um, so, you know, he was always looking at it from a sense of big battles, melee combat, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, you can definitely tell as someone who's played all the God of War games and love them. You can definitely tell that there's there's just a bit of that of that God of War philosophy in it. and I'm never going to complain about God of War philosophy in a game.
2: <laughs> no, it's a, he he calls them um, wow moments, uh, and we tr- we tried to have like you know a lightsaber fight with a boss was one of those, but also like the. Um, Atat moment where you're driving Mm. the Atat through Kashyyyk like that was a big wow moment stuff so that's one of his big design goals is to always have you know whatever it is 10 wow moments uh, in a game and they get like special attention from the team so yeah no he's he's awesome for that kind of stuff
1: awesome and uh, so you've kind of touched on it but Respawn Entertainment is one of the many many studios owned by Electronic Arts one of the more famous for various reasons uh, developers and publishers in the video game industry. So what's it really like working, I guess, under their arm? Are they really hands-on or are they hands-off? How do, how does it feel to work under Electronic Arts?
2: As a just like normal developer, kind of like mid-level peon, I guess, in the big machine, you barely even notice it there. And even when I talk to like Stig or, or Vince, when they're dealing with um, the executives over there, it's never with a heavy hand. it's never them telling us what we have to or have, can't do. It's always like oh, okay, that's your vision how do we like apply a force multiplier to that like do you need more money for outsourcing or do you need more headcount or um, some of the things that are really good about working with a, a, a huge company like EA is okay, it's time to market the game. Here's our marketing team. Like we don't have to, you know, deal with that really. Like they send in, you know, all these people who are professionals at that side of it or um, for playtesting. Like usually we would have to bring people into the studio and I would probably be the one like setting up a build and like taking their notes and stuff. But I have a whole team that I work with now at EA that has a cohort of something like 50,000 people that they can pull from to come play test the game based on a bunch of different vectors of like are they male or female? What types of games do they like? What's their gaming history? Have they beaten this game or that game? And so I can get like the perfect play tester. So working with them, it's it's actually like really easy. It's just a, a big corporation. But as for EA, like giving us creative direction or anything like that, that never happens. I And it didn't happen at um, Bioware either. So I've only had like kind of a good experience with them. They let the studios make the decisions and so when there's good ones or bad ones, it's it's usually down to who we thought that was a really good idea. Wait, that didn't work out. So and EA EA's like, oh, we thought that was a good idea. We wanted to help you make that a reality. Sometimes it works
1: out. Sometimes it doesn't, and
2: you know, then they help us fix it if it, it didn't go good.
1: Awesome. Well, and on the note of of studios, obviously, Star Wars is owned by Disney, and one of the stories that I know from the video game industry was that another game that used Disney characters, Kingdom Hearts 3, apparently was a nightmare for a lot of those people. Because Disney was so, I guess, anal about the character models from, from Toy Story, from Frozen, have to look exactly right. Was there anything like that? Was there any Disney references or problems?
2: We don't... We I, I think I've only ever... Disney rarely ever comes into the equation for us. Um, only when like the game's about to come out do we really interface with them uh, mostly about aligning on marketing and stuff like that. Like if Disney's like, Hey, this movie's coming out this time, all of our marketing budgets can be spent on this. Like, you know, when we came out, it was the the last star Wars movie and the Mandalorian was coming out too. And Disney was like, don't market it during these two months. Cause it's only going to be Mandalorian. Like you have this window here where we'll spend money, you know, time and money and our resources, um, to push the game here. And then it's going to be the time for the movie. So they really, um, care about that kind of stuff whereas the actual creative like how the characters look and stuff like that we deal directly with uh the lucas um story team um which is the same people that have been there for quite a while now who worked with like george lucas and stuff um and uh doug chang who did all the like art direction for the uh, prequel movies so that's more of who we speak with almost on a i would say it's a daily basis um there's usually one meeting a day depending on the department. So like maybe art meets on Thursdays, the story team working on the narrative meets on Fridays, stuff like that. And with them, it's like really lockstep of, okay, that's that's kind of where it gets to like, you can use these kinds of droids or if we're building a new creature or a new um, empire cast member, like the purge troopers um, for Jedi Fallen Order, we designed those in house. And so it was just like a lot of back and forth with Lucasfilm of, getting the look right and making sure it doesn't feel too old or too new while still being unique. And then they're looking at that from a brand perspective of like, you know, we'll be like, Hey, we want to use this planet in, in the game. And they'll be like, no, no, you can't use that. We'll be like, why? They'll be like, we can't tell you, but you can't (laughs) use that. Um, so, you know, there was, there's, there's those kind of things where they're looking at all the different projects and the movies and the, the, the books and everything as to what's coming out. Uh, you know, if our story takes place on, uh, Tatooine, just an easy example, uh, wait a minute, they're doing a Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Is that happening on Tatooine? Okay. If they're both happening on Tatooine, can we have Obi-Wan in the game? Can we not like what's Obi-Wan doing during this timeline? So they have all those kind of answers, which really helps us. But for the design of the game, they actually kind of leave us to it. It, They're more concerned with the story and the, the art.
3: I guess I got a question. I know I haven't played this game, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs>
3: no all I play is uh, I got like a Sega Genesis mini that I dust off from time to time. <laughs> but Parker's the 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 guy who's up to date, but I know with lots of these new games, like this wasn't a thing when I was a kid. But actually, having voice actors in these new games is there any been has there been anybody famous on this Star Wars game that you got to meet? Uh,
2: yeah, well, I I didn't get to meet them because they we have like I'm a producer. I work mostly with the design of the game. We have a another producer who does all the PCAP, uh, motion capture, voice acting, and stuff like that. So he works with the narrative team. Um, but yeah, so we had uh, Saw Gerrera, um from Rogue One in our game. And his name is like uh, escaping me. One second. Like, i'm goof like force act. whitaker yeah yeah we had force whitaker That's <laughs> um, we had force whitaker in this one we also had uh deborah wilson who plays sear who was on mad tv back in the day who's now a voice actor for everything um and we have cameron monahan who's cal so he's on shameless and like a bunch of other stuff so no they're it, it's it's kind of like you know big a-list talent for a lot of the big stars in the games and then um there's like a, a ton of just talented voice actors that um, fill in the rest of the roles. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing,
1: but I didn't get to meet any of them. <laughs> <laughs> you blew it, man. I know. <laughs> so was all of. Uh, you you kind of touched on this, but like, was all of the. I know that some some games they outsource their. They would outsource the like the the dubs or the. I guess you wouldn't have a dub because your game wasn't made in Japan first, but they would dub it out to company like say Cup of Tea Productions or something was was all like the actual recording and all that was that done in-house or was that outsourced to another company? That's,
2: that's where EA like is great to work with. So we do all the English, um, in-house at Respawn. Well, like in-house, like we go to a, you know, a sound studio and, and you know, do the VO and stuff there. Like I think Force Whitaker did it from a, a, a booth in London while we, um, Watched him in LA. There was like a 12 hour time difference or something. But when we do the localization and the, you know, uh, Japanese, uh, Brazilian, all the different Portuguese um, VO, that's done. EA has a team that does that. So they they find the people and um, they do all the hiring and and casting and editing and making sure all the bugs make sense or making sure that there's no bugs so that the language makes sense because. A sentence said in English could mean something completely different in Japanese and may actually be even like offensive to them. So there's people looking at those lines in a different language to make sure we're not, you know, saying something ridiculous or or, or that the even just the quest or the conversation makes sense. So, no, that's one of the good things about working with EAs, is they, you know, we make it and then they're like, OK, here's our localization
1: team. And we're like, awesome. Please
2: go. <laughs> please go do this huge thing. So.
1: Yeah, definitely. But the localization is for those who don't know is a lot more. It's a lot more work than people think. I mean, I'm sure Josh can remember when he was gaming back on the NES of probably quite a few games that had awful, <laughs> awful language yes. because they didn't have the localization. A winner is yep. you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Congratulations. All, all of uh, all of those kinds of those kinds of things. So I think I think I can can probably say that I know how you're going to answer this question, but I'll mm-hmm. ask it anyway. If you were given the chance to do anything, what would be your like your dream project in video games? You can work on any game.
2: Oh, oh, <laughs> no! You actually don't know the answer to this one, um, because I'm not going to say Star Wars. If something if it's something in production right now, I don't know.
1: It can be in I production kinda... or out of production. It can be a game from 30 years ago. If you could have worked on any game,
2: oh, <laughs> I, I'm like a huge fan of like world of warcraft so like really old school blizzard games like any of those starcraft diablo world of warcraft those were always those are very formative for me so um like going back in time to work with like that original blizzard team would be great i would love to do like a it's odd that the it's funny that the movie's coming out now but the the new dune movie i'd love to do a game around that um, i don't know what type of game it would be but i love that setting and those characters there's a lot of history and, and world building to do with that, um, with those books. But no, I like I think I, I lucked out pretty good. Like my first gaming job was working with uh, the people who made like Baldur's Gate one and two, like OG, you know, RPGs for PCs. And then I'm now working on Star Wars making you know, we had like Ben Burt, who's the original sound designer for Darth Vader's voice, the sound of a blaster, the sound of a lightsaber. He made all of the sound for bd1 who's our little like robot companion so like just being you know not working directly but being slightly adjacent to a lot of the people who are so formative in pop culture it's just yeah no i lucked out pretty crazy and on top of it i work at respawn who made you know whose founders made the original call of duties um in modern warfare so it's like this pedigree of this studio plus then my boss is stig who made god of war like it's just i i I couldn't have, uh, yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better, better situation. I'm loving it down here. So now I want to make more Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, you definitely not, do. Not
1: Primal
3: Rage three. <laughs>
2: uh, I I liked Primal Rage on the Genesis. That was a lot of fun. I liked uh, what was that Clay Fighters? That was a really Boy, good one. yeah. yeah. No, some uh, I, I've been playing games forever. I I never I can never pull it out of my head as to like, oh yeah that game. But if somebody says something, I'm like, yep, I played that. Like I, I can see it in my mind, you know.
1: Yeah, I I can totally empathize with that. So since you mentioned uh, you mentioned Baldur's Baldur's Gate, I'll ask you: Are you excited for Baldur's Gate three, or as they're now calling it, Baldur's Lake, since it got delayed by a little bit? I know
2: by a week, <laughs> ah, tragic. I think that's only the early access though, too. Yeah. Um, but no, we, me and my wife, uh, do a lot of like couch co-op gaming. We both worked at Bioware. We were both like just gigantic um, Baldur's Gate fans. We both played D and D. Um, so we are. Unbelievably excited for it. We're going to wait till it's on the consoles so we can play it on the couch together. Um, But we are also huge fans of that studio, Larian Studios, who made um, their last two games were like 90s huge RPGs that you could play with up to four friends or like two on a couch. Kind of that they really had that feeling of the old um, Baldur's Gate games. That's probably why. Wizards of the Coast and D and D gave them the license to make the third one. Um, so no, unbelievably excited! It's going to be. I think will we have it pre-ordered right now. Yeah, my wife has the collector's edition. Like we're we're huge, huge fans. It's going to be awesome.
1: <laughs> there you go. Well, and since since you mentioned it, just to to go a little off candid, I'll ask you. Uh, you mentioned D and D. Do you do you DM or do you prefer to play when you go into? D&D? I DM.
2: Yeah, I'm a masochist that way. It's uh, because it's it's easier to find people who want to play than it is to find a game. So, yeah, know, I, I like DMing. I like telling a story. I like helping people get through stuff. I like, you know, fudging the numbers uh, behind the screen so that they make sure they have a really good time. Yeah, I think it it plays into my role as a producer where it's like I like to help people tell their story, whether it's through a character or through their animation or, you know, through the game or something. I like to, a force multiplier. So, no, I like DMing a lot. Yeah, I like using the the campaign books, though. I'm not I'm not super big on like the homebrew. That's too much work for me. I want it like laid out, tell me what room they go into, what loot they get, perfect. I can build a combat around that and like ad lib a monster's voice or something. But no, I don't I'm not building my own world.
1: Yeah, you you like to uh, produce and, and help everybody and have a good time. You you should you should meet my last DM. He uh did not have that philosophy, I'll just say <laughs> TPK at level one. I'm pretty sure that was his goal. Right. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we're starting um, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden on Sunday with my wife and, like, a bunch of our friends on Skype. So That's it's going to be fun. Awesome.
1: All right. Well, we are almost running out of time, but we got just a couple more questions for Sure. Yes. So one of the big ones, just candid, that I'm asking, what is, uh, what, what's the big obsession for you right now? Are you on, like, the Fall Guys and Among Us train, or what have you been playing of late?
2: Among Us looks awesome. Um, I don't have a huge, like... PC friend group so I don't have like a bunch of friends I can play it with. What am I going hard on? Me and my wife play a ton of Apex Legends side by side on the couch. She's like I think she's got three 500 hours and I have like 200 or something. Yeah no she's she's a monster at it so we love playing that. I'm real. oh I just got Hades from Mm Supergiant Games Um, and it's so Well done. I think it's their best game yet, and I've loved all their games. So great music, great story. The comet feels really good. It's like a fun like roguelike. So when you die, the world resets. But, you know, some story stuff happens. Uh, No spoilers. And then you try to do it again and you keep running this dungeon until you kind of get out of it. So that's been super like I haven't stopped playing for three days. Like I got it on Monday, I think. So that's super great. Um, What else are we doing? i think that's it world of warcraft i'm always playing world of warcraft that's a problem
1: (laughs) all my friends who play they 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 never stop with all of those mmos and i can confirm that among us is a is a really really good time when you get it looks so good together and everybody starts calling each other sus it's an amazing it's an amazingly fun time love it so i guess we're almost ready to wrap up but is there anything you want to plug or is there maybe any big, you know, award shows or anything that any Respawn Jedi fans should keep an eye on?
2: No, nothing. Nothing right now, actually. We're kind of in a, our team is kind of in a, uh, a low period where we're figuring out what we're working on next. We've got some job postings uh, for people to join my Star Wars team. I actually need like a level designer and a combat designer. So if anybody knows anybody, they can shoot me an email, hit me up on Twitter, but no, like apex legends, like is, you know, shipping a new season every, every three months or whatever. So yeah, no, that's, that's it. I got nothing to plug, man. I'm just, just hanging out, having a good time.
1: (laughs) Hey, that's all that matters, right? Especially in these times, as long as you can find some fun to have. Exactly. Oh, I I guess the last thing is, uh,
3: What's the most
2: Canadian thing you're able to do while you're down there in the States? Oh, okay. So the one that everybody brings up when I'm in meetings, because I'm in production, I do a lot of like, I say like, let's build a process, process. Mm-hmm. And they're always just like, what do you Like, why are you saying it like that? I'm like, cause there's an O in it, it's process. Like that's <laughs> how you pronounce that word. So that's the one that always gets all the other people. Um, for me as a Canadian, it's being able to go to hockey games for cheap. You know yeah. when COVID isn't happening, uh, <laughs> so going to a Kings game and booing them uh, yes. is great. And then you know having people try to beat me up while I wear uh, an Oilers jersey. So uh, yeah, no, that's that's the most Canadian thing I've, I've. I'm I'm wearing shorts a lot, which is weird. I usually have a sweater and pants. It's it's weird getting used to down here. So yeah,
1: and I'm always I'm always the guy up here who's wearing shorts and everybody is is mocking me and. And because you mentioned it, I'll say I won't hold it against you too much for being an Oilers fan. Oh, my God. What are you, Calgary? You betcha. Get out of here.
2: (laughs) This interview is over.
1: Yeah. (laughs) How did
2: I agree to this? My sister should have told me. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Granted, neither of us have much to cheer about right now. No. no, Let's (laughs)
2: let's commiserate in our misery. Exactly
1: right. (laughs) I I think that does it for us. Thank you so much again for for being able to do this and being willing to put up with, with these two idiots and our nonsense <laughs> no it was fun it's always fun to it's good to hear the accents
2: that's that's what <laughs> i miss it's too many americans down here <laughs> it's that western canadian twang yep i love it
1: <laughs> just just for my american friends it's what we're all about eh? yeah exactly <laughs> all
3: right man well thanks a lot awesome. for taking the time man and best of luck with all your upcoming projects we look forward to them thanks you guys
2: have a good one